Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So, just in case anyone's listening, if you come at me with enough money... (laughs) Okay, let me hear it. Give me your enthusiastic voice. Oh, no, no, I can't, I can't. Come on, Dylan, hey. ready, hit me. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to episode 63 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitro, and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by my co-host in Whitby, Ontario, Aaron Bay. Hey, hey! And I'm also so joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. There you go. See, that I was... think I was the most enthusiastic there. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I take it back, Tim. You sounded pretty enthusiastic at the beginning. Did I? There. Okay. You did. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. But you're no, so fake. I could tell that it wasn't real. Oh, that I wasn't really welcoming everybody to the podcast. They wasn't enthusiastic. Oh, the enthusiasm no. was fake. Yeah. So if I was if I wasn't enthusiastic, I'd be like, "Hey, everybody, welcome to the sixty-three of the More Just Code podcast. My name's Tim Mitchell. I'm Toronto, Ontario. Blah blah blah. I'm by blah, Aaron blah. Bay, with Ontario. Yeah, yeah. That would be my. I don't give a shit. Intro. <laughs> It's like the embargo on the Apple TV just let up. Uh, Mossberg's review is up. Oh, is it? I'll bet that others are near at hand. Well, how could they... What could they be reviewing? I mean, there's nothing in the interface. What do you mean there's nothing in the interface? Are you mad? Have you been... uh, Has it been updated as of, like, yesterday? Well, it... it (laughs) Last Last time I looked at it, it only had, like, you know... Uh, music, iTunes, yes, yes, yes. test flight. Right. No, that, that has not settings. changed, of course. But I think the reviewers would have a chance to look at other the, uh, at some of these apps, right? And yeah. quite likely to um, review the functionality of the Apple TV, which is quite different from the existing one, you know? That's true, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I'll just let me browse this review here while you're doing whatever sure. it is you do. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got the Netflix app here. He's talking about that. And Siri. Um... He's got some drawbacks and missing features, like 4K. Um, mm-hmm. Inability to restore apps and settings from your old Apple TV. 
<laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, they're yeah, totally yeah. different. It's a fresh start. Um, Siri search doesn't work in the App Store. Hmm. Well, there's uh, a hint. I didn't even know there was going to be an App Store. This is my big question, right? Like, how are we going to get the apps? So there's yeah. going to be an App Store app on the TV. There's got to be, right? Right. Right. So it's good to know because it's not there today. Um Okay, so so orders officially start on Friday. So by the time this won't hit the streets, this show won't hit the streets till Saturday. So we can talk about things, right? Yeah, yeah, we can totally talk about things. Okay, you know, I got away with my uh, blog post so far. <laughs> the magpie one? No, the uh, oh yeah, yeah. I guess uh, I was really more talking about um, multiple accounts on the TV. Mm-hmm. Apple TV. Yes, so. right. Yes, yes. That's an issue. It is, I think so. It is only. I, I like the way Netflix solves that problem. They just have you, your first screen you go to says, who are you and what kind of stuff do you want to watch, right? Yeah, right, you know, because it's all tied to one account. But yeah. they know that multiple people use that one account. Like, Netflix has clearly thought of this, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've, like, one person buys the account and yeah. multiple people can use it and have different profiles. Smart. But, uh, but I, sp- I suppose you're thinking about the family thing, but then then how do you deal with the parent parental guidance and stuff like that, right? So you mean Apple or Netflix? Well, a- Apple in this case, right? Yeah. Because yeah. with I guess Apple's thinking, oh, we've got the family account. You can just you know everybody can watch the porn at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they're not going to have porn. Well, there know. is none, right? Like I, you know, as far as I know, there there are is none. I mean, Netflix doesn't have anything like that. And it doesn't? No. I don't. Oh, that's it. I'm oh. Cancel- oh, I don't. You know what? Actually, I don't know. I haven't. <laughs> Not that I've looked for it, obviously, because I don't yeah. know the answer to the question. But yeah. Um, any, any you guys want to admit to knowing this or not? <laughs> I don't know for certain, but I'm <laughs> yeah. a heavy Netflix user, and I yeah, I am. Don't too. believe there's anything above rated R. I think. Okay. Right. I don't think there's any NC-17 things there. So, did you use Netflix before it was a digital service? When it was back in the seat in the DVD days, or? No, but I had um, I had friends that did, so we just kind of mooched, you know. It's like, oh, I've got this movie. Okay, great. I'll borrow it tonight, and then I'll throw yeah. it back in the mail for you. Yeah, I used sure. it back then. But were, could you get questionable content? Or I don't think so. Right. Don't know for sure, but I don't think so. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. But that is an interesting one because I think um, I think I had mentioned that it was kind of a you know maybe. I don't know, however many episodes it was when we first learned about the new Apple TV. And yeah. it seemed like a missed opportunity to have Touch ID in the remote, at the very least. Mm. Because that could have been something really, you know, rather nice for developers, right? Where Apple could sure. say, like, look, set up, you know, mom, set up dad, set up Timmy, set up Sally. Mm-hmm. Oh, Timmy and, then, and Sally. And then kids. they could just, you know, like, hey, it looks like you're trying to view something that's been locked down, you know, prove that you are who you say you are, that you're, you know, somebody who's approved to view this kind of content or make this kind of purchase. And Touch ID would make it rather simple. I mean, even kids could understand that, right? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm into Netflix. Great. Here you go. You get the Sesame Street programs. That's true. You know, um, I can imagine it's probably cost. That's the issue there, right? Well, it's not to say you couldn't do that with the remote app, though, right? Like, I mean, just throwing it out there, right? Because you can use a remote to control the Apple TV. Yeah, but it's gotta it's gotta be accessible from the thing that comes in the box with it. Yeah, that's Apple true. is yeah, very yeah, yeah. firm about that. I mean, you can't right, right. you cannot make an app a game that uh, that uses something other than that remote that comes with it. It has mm-hmm. to be able to be worked with the remote. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so um, maybe so for the wish list in the future then for future for sure. revisions as the price comes down on that part. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it will. It's got to, right? Because they're going to roll that out across everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what it needs, too, it's, um, uh, you know, the Touch ID is related to the secure element that's part of the system on chips that they're making now, right? Right, um, yeah. And so, like, I think they go hand in hand, and I would expect that they're not putting A7s in the remotes. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> My remote is more powerful than the, sh- the computers that sent rocket, yeah. Apollo missions. Yeah, uh, yeah. so it's quite possible, but uh, not yet. Not yet. Mm. Be funny, though. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so not happening yet. Um, Tim, did you... You're not buying one, are you? Like you've got your developer unit. Your I'm I'm hope I'm not buying one. That's that's yeah. the hope, right? I yeah. mean, we were we were just sort of t- tossing it around with a few people today. Like, what if you know the retail uh, retail box is different than the? I mean, I can't imagine why would it be, right? No, I don't I don't think so. And it is a 32 gig uh, device because remember I asked a question last week or on Twitter or something, and uh, it got all I heard was crickets. So I went and if you go under about and whatever, you'll see that actually the units we got the one dollar units were 32 gig devices. So sure, no problem. I don't mind that. Um, I if if I were going to buy one, I don't think I would have sprung for the 64 gig version no. anyway. So. Well, it's what fifty dollars difference or something like that. Oh, in Canadian dollars, it's about one hundred and fifty difference. Isn't yeah, that's true. Oh, that's true. Well, God. well, it's fifty dollars Canadian tire money. Yeah, it's hard to keep track. But soon we'll be able to use Apple Pay to buy it. <laughs> yeah, we're actually Apple Pay is coming next month, I believe. Right, only it's on for American Express. Oh, really? Yeah, American Express oh, Canada. Man, I know. Nobody I has have, an I, Amex card. I have card. an American Express card. It's got dust on it. That's, yeah, that's yeah. You know, front of the to... line. Woohoo! Oh, it's awful. Um, yeah. So, like, and if if to my mind, uh, here, here's your Canadian content listeners. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the show. Um, in my mind, Apple actually uh, going public with that announcement suggests that they have nothing else going on in the Apple with the, other, with the big banks. You mean, yeah, yeah, with any of the banks or the retailers or anything. Wow. Nothing. Which They've means only had four months to work on it. Four. Like a year and four. What are you talking about? Oh, that's true. I don't know. I don't know what Apple Pay is. I'm a Canadian. Uh, exactly. God, they're they're nowhere. If but all good, they have is American Express. I just want to here's a real, real time. announcement today. No, I'm sorry, Walgreens announcement today. Oh, yeah, what was that about? Whatever. Ah. Well, I saw that I saw that in the bylines. What what's the Walgreens announcement about their mark? So they're gonna have a integrated uh Consumer rewards card, you know, one of these. Oh, okay, yeah. Things you that every, everyone has, right? Where where you sure you, you know you swipe it and get some discount or something, and you earn points. So sure. they're going to have that as an Apple Pay. Okay, that's cool. Card pretty soon. Yeah. That's Great. Cool. Yeah. I was going to say just as a real time follow up for you, Mark. I was you know happened to buy a Starbucks the other day and saw a sign. I can actually pre order my coffee too. I just can't pay for it with Apple Pay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I use that for? every day now. I use that pre-order. Really? Yeah, one of the most brilliant uh, additions in, in history, I think. <laughs> what, not having to talk to people? No, you still have to talk <laughs> to people. You just don't have to wait in line. Yeah, that's true. Oh, so yeah. So usually at my Starbucks, the one I go to by my house, it's it's pretty crowded in the morning. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, if I, if I hit it at a bad time, I could be standing in line for 20 minutes. Really? Wow. Which is, you know, no fun. So seriously, you would wait that long for a coffee? Really? Well, it's been known to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that it's going to take 20 minutes when you first get in the line. That's oh, the that's, true, yeah, that's true. That's the problem. 
Yeah, but with this, it's great. Yeah, by the time I drive to the to the Starbucks and and uh, walk to the counter, it's it's there waiting yeah, yeah. for me every day. Well, here in Canada, we have Tim Hortons on every street corner, so we have to worry about that. If it's crowded at one, you go to the next one. Well, we still have Starbucks in every corner, but it's, it's still crowded. <laughs> it's around here. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've, other than, like, because I always go on off hours, but I can't, I can't, like, when I've been in San Francisco before WWDC, that's, that's where you go and have breakfast before you head down and walk down to through Union Square or whatever, right? But yep. yeah, it's always packed in there for sure. Yeah. 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 First thing in the morning, just before people start working, it can be, it can get pretty bad in terms of lines. Mm. I'm surprised you don't have drive through Starbucks in Dude. California. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Do they not have those in Canada? Is that not, no. not happening? <laughs> well, I, I laugh because I, I remember the first time I went to Seattle, I wanted to go see where the Apple store was. And, and it was in the middle of this mall. And it was like, you know, the, the, the stores were in the middle of the, of the space and all around it was parking lot. Right. And I, and I was just commenting to my buddy there and he's like, yeah, this is the way it is out here on the West Coast. It's like everybody drives everywhere. Right. Sorry, Tim, you're betraying your I live in downtown Toronto nature. Uh, yeah. They do have oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Starbucks in the suburbs. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, oh, we'll there's see. one in there Whitby. What do I know? Sorry. What do I know? I don't know what you know. Um, drive through cash machines, drive through. Can't, well. So, David Pogue has posted his review now of the Apple TV. Okay. So, the embargo is definitely off. It's, okay. it's out. So, uh, he's kind of panning it, actually. He's. Uh, talking about the features but um he says it's buggier than the deep woods really that's what he says wow yeah so um yeah may not be a slam dunk wow hmm. yeah well mossberg always sort of likes apple stuff right yes he does he's a big fan um he's like is i more got something out yet or who i more not that i see well I'm, I'm just watching my twitter feed and when it comes up i'll let you know real-time right. feedback Okie dokie. Yes, okay. Sorry. Sorry to ta- interrupt your coffee So talk. we were actually, I guess in a roundabout way, we, we could segue over to your, your your article, which I guess we sort of covered already, is the fact that you posted an article on, on your blog and it got picked up by the Apple TV Weekly people. Hooray! Um, about the... Um, lack of user accounts on the Apple Apple TV, right? Is that what the gist of your article was? Right, yeah. So this kind of occurred to me as I was uh, building Magpie for Apple TV, uh, which I released um, last week, uh, and mm-hmm. Apple approved it today, I think. No, yesterday. Yesterday. Um, and so as I was working on it, um, the scenario entered my mind of, uh, of, say, my wife, who is also a Magpie user, you know, by association, um, mm-hmm takes pity on me sometimes. Mm-hmm. And thinking to myself, okay, so we've got this Apple TV, and I'm looking at my collection of videos on this uh, in this app, but how, how would she look at her collection? Um, and it turns out, like, that's, that's not readily possible, you know? Because Magpie, like many apps that Apple would encourage you to build in this way, uh, using CloudKit, is, has your data connected to your um, Apple ID, which you log in through the iCloud panel on the Apple TV, just like yeah. you would on your iPhone or on your Mac. Uh, you go into the iCloud section of the settings and you enter your details, and that is your account for the entire device. This works fine for the iPhone and the iPad um, and your Mac, typically, I guess. Uh, not so much for your Apple TV because once you're signed in that way, you can only see the data associated with that um, Apple ID. And uh, 
So if you want to have a different user go in and see their stuff, you've got to actually go to the settings uh, and sign out and then sign in as another user, uh, mm. which is a laborious process uh, <laughs> on uh, on the Apple TV, uh, given that you have their remote. So, so I, I do have a question, though, uh, yeah. about how Core Data and iCloud kind of work together, or iCloud works in general. Is there not a – can you not have a local store in your app, like a persistent store or um, Core Data kind of thing? Like, I mean, what I'm thinking okay. is, okay, so you, ahead, you, have, <laughs> you have iCloud for the, the management of the data, but why couldn't you front, front, in the front end of that on the, app, on the app itself create user accounts for your program? Okay, so uh, you, you can store – uh, files on the local device, but mm-hmm. there is no documents directory. Okay. Uh, you can only use the lo- uh, the cache directory. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you cannot have a persistent store that you can rely on to be there. Right. Um, so you basically have to pull your data from the cloud. And whether that's from a server or from CloudKit, uh, it's yeah. entirely up to you. But your primary data store has to be in the cloud. So oh, to answer sorry. your question... <laughs> yeah. um, could I have multiple user accounts within the app? Of course I could. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my criticism here is specifically related to CloudKit. Uh, right, and and in general the whole environment itself, because once Aaron's logged in, it's Aaron's Apple TV for all intents and purposes, right? Exactly. Yeah. Now, if if I had invented Magpie with its own account and user system, mm-hmm. then part of the app's functionality would be user management, right? Right. Where you would log in within Magpie. And it would be accredited against a server API, and you know it would show your videos. But um, using CloudKit, you rely on Apple's infrastructure for that, which is mm-hmm. tied to the Apple ID. Makes right. it super simple when it's just a one-to-one user-to-device ratio. But with the Apple TV, and this is what boggles my mind. This is why I could, couldn't imagine that I was correct about this assumption. <laughs> um, the Apple TV is not a one-to-one device-to-person ratio. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a it's a many to one, and I I I just am I'm blown away. I'm blown away that Apple didn't consider this. Hmm. Like, am I crazy? I must be. No, crazy. you're you're right. It, it it does seem kind of you know in 2015 it does seem like a bit of an oversight not thinking about. I mean, it raises questions like, okay, so I know they added the family ID thing to, or family plan, to, whatever yep. you call it, to sort of compensate for the fact that families own media and different members of the family own different media and have different tastes and different likes and, and you know, parental guidance can, issues like we mentioned earlier, right? But I guess CloudKit or wherever they're using doesn't take that into consideration, I guess, right? No, it's a separate thing altogether. So um, mm-hmm. I actually use the family plan uh, in our right. house, and yeah. it works great. We Anybody who buys something, um, of, of the three of us, my wife and my daughter and myself, um, yeah. we have access to each other's purchases, uh, whether they be apps or books or music or video of any kind, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it really is a, a great feature that works very well. Um, but this is entirely separate from the question of, of actual user data, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about um, – um, if you look at the iCloud settings in your on your Mac, for example, you go to settings in iCloud, and then you can manage storage and see how your iCloud um, – sort of iCloud drive, if you will, uh, data is apportioned and being used, then uh, the category that this falls under is the documents and data stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's that's where arbitrary apps have access to your data pool to store information that's for your account. 
And that's what CloudKit apps do, uh, such as Magpie. So right. uh, those people, you're, you're kind of humped. I don't know. Um, Apple has to do something structurally, I think, um, to, to address this. And I think uh, from my perspective, uh, I would really like it if, if the Apple TV allowed multiple users to have their iCloud accounts, iCloud accounts registered at the same time and then um, show that, expose that somehow to developers and give us the option of switching iCloud mm-hmm. accounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so similar to the, the fast account switching on the Mac, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think that would just make that would make a lot more sense, and hopefully, maybe in Apple TV OS two, or sorry, ten, because <laughs> they actually like TV OS is is version nine. Oh, really? Yeah, if you look at the documentation, it's TV OS nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just decided to number it the same as iOS because they they go together like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> anyway, I filed a radar. Um, they haven't responded to the radar, so um, you know. Hopefully, other people are duping it. Uh, I got I got a bit of uh, response on Twitter, so that was uh, heartening to see. So other people. Well, how quickly in your experience does Apple reply to radars? Uh, it depends. I've had responses within 24 hours uh, yeah. to say that it's a dupe, um, yeah. and I've had radars that I filed like three years ago that I haven't heard back on. Oh. Yeah, because I, I filed one a couple of weeks ago and still haven't heard anything back yet. No. But yeah. I haven't gone back to check, though, so. No, like, I think you, you get an email, I think, when they reply um, to let mm. you know the status of your, your radar. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you haven't heard anything, it's because they haven't responded to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, actually, it was a funny thing on, on Twitter today. You know Cable Sasser, the founder of Panic Software? Okay. He uh, went to Cupertino and took a photograph of Apple's uh, corporate headquarters sign out the front of it and it's yeah. uh it's off center and you know oh, really? like the the uh i can't remember what the wording was but it was like one infinite loop or something like that sure. and it was just a touch off center it was a little hanging to the right a bit and so you know he filed a radar <laughs> no way where he said you know do do a uh a, a better centering job on this and he filed a radar he did it today and he got a response today wow. um <laughs> just basically saying we're closing this because it has no value uh, go to apple.com slash feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice to say, um, you know, the other radar, I guess, hashtag, um, <laughs> where, uh, you know, certain people do get attention, you know, because cable has a lot of followers who are at Apple, right? Oh, it's true, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so they would have they would have uh, been able to see his radar very quickly because he gave the number in a tweet. And... So that didn't happen for me, of course. Nice. Hmm the other radar gonna have to get another twitter account and a website and oh well yeah yeah so this is um you know pretty kudos for writing this article because it's a something i think it's a really curious limitation on uh the way that icloud works um and in thinking about it the the other thing that i remember is a limitation is in the criteria for transferring an app so yeah. if, uh, if if big money came and you said, you know what, I'm going to sell Magpie for a million dollars, you wouldn't be able to transfer that thing. You would just have to just create another developer account for yourself, I guess, and hand over the keys to whoever it is you're selling to. You're um, saying that used to be the case, right? Because that's not lo- not yeah. the case any longer. Yeah. Oh, really? So I'll, yeah, you can I'll actually the transfer. documentation to remind myself, and it doesn't have a date on it, but... So like if you go to iTunes it, no, Connect, no version of the app can use an iCloud entitlement. 
Come again? I've never done this myself. So I, you I mean if you're selling an app, right? If you're transferring an app to oh, yeah. some other yeah. company. Right. The app that is transferred cannot use an iCloud entitlement? That's what I'm looking at right here. Yep, you're stuck with Magpie. Sorry. No version oh. of the app can use an iCloud entitlement. No version of the app can use the passbook entitlement. The app right. can't offer or have previously offered in-app purchase subscriptions that are auto-renewable, free, or non-renewing. Well, that makes sense. Mm. I don't understand the iCloud entitlement. Can you uh, post that link? Yeah. Not that this matters. I mean, this is hilarious. But uh, <laughs> Have you guys take a look at it? No, it just came to mind. I was like, hey, wasn't that something that uh, I remember thinking about? I guess the idea is that you've given permission to one company to use your iCloud information and it doesn't necessarily mean that you want some other company to have access to that without you explicitly giving permission, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. I'm just kind of guessing. I wonder if it has to do with the sort of cloud kit uh, storage mechanisms at all. Hmm. That is weird. It's cloud kit or iCloud in general? Well, yeah, I guess uh, I was thinking CloudKit, but yeah, this does say iCloud at all. Uh, right? It must be a security signing thing because if you if you're using your your app your app your team ID to sign the services, maybe you can't because you can't tra- without selling your company, you can't transfer your tra- your team ID, right? So maybe that's part of the part of the algorithm that makes the keys. Oh well, you know what? If they came at me with enough money, I would just give up my account. That would not be a big deal. No. <laughs> So, just for, in case anyone's listening, if you come at me with enough money, <laughs> okay. What else we got here? <laughs> a small handling fee for the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All righty. Uh, what are we talking about this week? So we we we've, we've knocked Aaron's article out of the out of the park. Well, I'm right there again on the next part of the list. Do you want to talk about conferences? Do you have it we, in you? We could. We could. Um, uh, then we have the iPad Pro. Just I just put this on here. I just saw this today. It's kind of interesting about the fact that there's more sizes coming our way. Oh yeah, yeah. It was interesting uh, to see that all written down like that. You know, you don't really think about it until you see it explicitly. Yeah, it's a lot of sizes. But and that's only iOS too. That doesn't include the watch or the TV, right? Right. right. Yeah. So that's even even more. Bah! You know what? This doesn't freak me out at all. You know, with the uh, size classes here and auto layout. This is uh, not as relevant as it used to be. You sound like somebody who just produced an app in the last six months. Yeah, yeah. But but someone supporting an app for years, right? Is that what you're yeah. telling me? Is that what you're getting at? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm sort of going with. I mean, I'm still some some of our code hasn't even caught up to the iPhone 6 Plus yet, so, or 6 yet, right? So Yeah, so are you all springs and struts there? Uh, yeah, and frames and, you know, mm-hmm. you name it. Like, mm-hmm. it's all kinds of craziness. Like, there's even, I even have a Cocoa, I was talking about this today, I got crap for mentioning it on the other podcast, but I'm even working, I have a Coco OS 2D app that I'm bringing up to 64-bit so that I can start transferring it over to SpriteKit. But that has its own other way of, of dealing with screen sizes, right? So I have no idea about any of that. Yeah. No, it's, it's awesome. We were talking about that years ago, too. What's that? I warned you about that years ago. No, yeah, I know you did, but, you know, <laughs> eh, whatever. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing. I mean, um, like, so you must have, like, conditionals all throughout your code. Is that? Yeah, well, essentially, Or do you yeah. just, like, self-view bounds? 
Yeah, we have a, we have a, I think we have in, in a, there's a high level header file somewhere that defines, you know, the iPhone five size and the iPad and the iPhone. And then you basically just, you know, if this, then that sort of thing, right? If mm. portrait landscape, blah, blah, blah. Right. I've been switching over those. Every time I go in to work on one of those uh, layouts, I've been switching it over to, uh, to use auto layout and size classes and stuff like that. But, but, you know, it's, some of these apps have tons of view controllers in them, right? So, Got it. and I don't, you know, deal with them all the time. So. And then there's the testing, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's funny though. I mean, one of one of my apps, I completely, I, I guess, eighteen months ago, I completely rewrote it in Storyboard, and uh, so it's it's all ready to go. With uh, it's not quite, it's still an iPhone app only, but it would technically be capable of dealing with uh, the stuff because I because I know having you know having a chance to start it from almost from scratch or do a rewrite of it, you know, I took the time to do that. So. Which is huge. It's important, right? I'm, yeah, oh yeah. Let me ask you something, Tim. How many apps do you have? Are you actively maintaining? Um, like well, roughly, uh, something like ten or eleven, maybe. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, but I mean, some of, some of them are, some of them are, are victims of neglect. Like they're the unwanted children in the back room of the, yeah. of the house. Yeah. You know? Okay, so let me let me try that again. Food tray how, ma- how many apps? do you currently have or intend to have working on the current hardware on the cur- like are ready for the current hardware or yeah. up, up to speed like the, that you have that you are you know obliged to have oh. running on current hardware is that the same number or is it fewer no it's it's probably half that maybe so five. six or seven six, six or seven, seven. yeah and, uh, and but some and actually no it's eight because i just updated one <laughs> a couple of weeks couple i have more than that actually although i don't I have to admit that I don't always uh, keep up some of the older ones as much yeah. as I should. Well, yes. I, this is such a great opportunity to to take some time and think about you know what you're spending your time doing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this this is this is exactly it. I mean, the the ones that are closer to be getting paid for get obviously more attention. Yeah. You know, I have, and it's funny though because I have a, I have a couple of paid apps that I put out there years ago. Um, they're very niche, but you know, not lucratively niche. But and every now and then, somebody just goes in and buys it, and I'm like, oh, okay, because I better fix that. Go back in and have a look at that app, which I haven't looked at in seriously a couple of years, right? So yeah, but even then, I mean, somebody buys it. <laughs> that that in itself is insufficient yeah. reason to spend what yeah. what might be an enormous amount of effort modernizing yeah. it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, like the seven that I sort of counted as the ones that are that get the most attention, those have at least had. They they get updates and tested on the the new devices and the new hardware. It's not, they're they're not sitting out there on the app store as zombies, right? So, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of apps are are zombies on the app store. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I sort of wish that Apple would kind of call the herd a little bit. Uh, well, I, a person at Apple kind of told me that's sort of what they were hoping would happen with the iOS seven transition because they figured yeah. you know people would people would just you know stop using the iOS six stuff, but. It still continues to run. Kudos yeah. to Apple for making that happen, right? So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I saw a guy on a plane recently, uh, well, in September when I was in Halifax, uh, yeah. on a on an iPhone 6s. You know, uh, <laughs> sorry, a six plus. What okay, thinking? Yeah. a six plus. Yeah. The six s wasn't out yet. So old, man. That's like last year. Yeah, I know. But it, at the time, it was the current phone, and it was the you know yeah. how big that thing is because you're holding yeah. one in your hand. But um, yeah. he was playing a, a Sudoku game on it. Uh, and it was still sized for the for the four inch screens. Yes, yes. You know, so it had the big black bars above. It's a great place to put banner ads, by the way, for people yeah. who are thinking about to do with that space. 
<laughs> You're a very bad man, Tim Mitra. <laughs> Suffice to say, uh, people are still using apps that are way out of date and have not been updated. Um, and so seeing those go would be pretty great. But uh, it would really kill their numbers, obviously. Fortunately, Apple's not really talking about their numbers anymore in terms of you know yeah. number of apps on the store. Um, I think once it hit a certain point, like 1.5 million or something like that, they... Uh, it's become less important, uh, less of a distinguished. Well, I, I think that's also the changing of the guard. I think that because uh, Tim Cook didn't do any of that stuff at the last talk. I, mean, he, I obviously didn't have time for it. But because they used to always sort of get up there and talk about the number of devices and the number of users. So I think it's just everybody just knows now. It's like, yeah, okay, they're they're the Ma Bell of technology, right? So, yeah, for sure. You know, I hate to be gloomy, but there might be another reason. There, there might actually be more Android apps out there now than ios apps uh, yeah if they start throwing around numbers that could be very uh oh that's true that's true yeah I, I don't know for sure but it's interesting there was an article in the toronto star i think it was yesterday um my wife pointed out to me that um there was a, a, a in the article the gist of the article was it's better to buy an apple product than it is to buy anything else and it has to do with whether it's you know an iphone or an ipad or what have you because of the like the hondas and the toyotas of, of the world of the auto world they retain their value whereas nobody wants to buy last year's samsung or whatever whereas they don't have as much they don't retain as much value as resale ah. items people are still buying iphone 4s and putting them out there because they'll still run the current or relatively run the current stuff right well the 4s but not the 4 4 is a dead yeah. stick <laughs> yeah unless you're not talking about an ipad of course in which case you can't there was sell actually a, a, sell an article today oh. saying that uh ibm has been shifting their internal users yeah. over to macbooks instead of whatever oh, yeah. previous uh, windows based machines <laughs> just because the it support costs are so much lower that the long-term uh cost of ownership for for them is 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 way more beneficial to have macs than Wow. It's the year 2000 you know, I, just called. They want their story back. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well it's funny, you know, it's funny though, Aaron. I did, I did a, a study for a marketing company who made my jaw drop one day when they came to me and said, we're going to replace all the PCs with Macs. They already had like, you know, the studio and the creative teams were on Macs, but all their, their uh, account agents and, and whatever were on PCs. And, and uh, so I did a study. I did. A, I made a quick survey for them, and they sort of said, like, how much time are you spending waiting for your client? Like, is your client waiting for you to answer a question that you have to look up on your on your computer? And I had just like questions like that all the way through it, and how many times do you have to call IT for support? And the Mac people all answered, never, never a problem. Don't have to wait. It never have to. You know, you know, my have to restart, restart my Mac every now and then. The Windows people were like, oh my god, it's like days. I could cook a turkey dinner waiting for things to happen, right? And the marketing people came back to me or the, the owners of the company came back and said, you stacked those questions. Those questions weren't fair, you know, and, and it's, but it's totally true. I mean, like, you know, it, it is, unfortunately, the truth is that, you know, it seems that on the windows side, you have to do so much work to get the same amount of work done just because of the OS and what have you. Right. That's, that's been the story for decades. Yes. You no, know, TCO has been, <laughs> You know, part of part of the dialogue of Mac versus Windows yeah. for so many years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and great, it's still true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it does seem kind of irrelevant now. Doing it now, though, it's, it's pretty significant. Sorry, what was that, Mark? And IBM is doing it now. I think it's pretty significant. That's that's a real uh, game changer there. You know. If, yeah, yeah. When IBM starts doing things, other people start paying attention and start doing the same thing. That's true. So it could be interesting. That is true. Well, just, you know, 
Yeah, I was but, just looking at the numbers uh, today or yesterday. Um, Apple announced its quarterly results uh, and actually the end of its fiscal year um, with its fourth quarter results. And Mac sales are way up, or not way up, but at least a record high, like something like 5.6 million Macs sold in the last three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, great numbers for Apple. And uh, they, the overall trend seems to be winding down a bit, but Apple is still largely outperforming the rest of the PC industry. Um, mm. And um, I was actually looking at the numbers uh, that Apple has sold in the last uh, um, four to five years. And uh, it's really interesting because the the numbers that we were hearing, uh, you know, like in the through the 2000s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s now that we're in, if you want to call it that, right. um, we kept hearing numbers like the total number of installed Mac users was about 25 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, actually looking at the numbers now, like going back for the last four years, um, I, it looks to me like there's at least 100 million Mac users really? out there. Just judging from the numbers of computers that Apple has sold uh, just in that time frame. Um, because they're generally selling between you know the high four point something millions and the the low to mid five point something millions. Um, so I guess I, every my quarter. Question, my question. My question is, what's the size of the market though? Like, how many possible potential clients are there out there? Well, is that like the United States we're talking about? Like, what's no, the population no, of the U.S. or whatever? That's worldwide. It's worldwide. Okay. Okay. Um, and so the thing is, is that like. Never mind the market share. Uh, we're not really concerned about that. I'm talking about if you're a Mac developer, mm-hmm. right? And for a long time, of course, we had, uh, you know, the original shareware uh, Mac developers who sure. made a good living off of those putative 25 million potential Mac users out there, right? Yeah. And that number has has ballooned right now. Um, and so the number of developers has ballooned. Or no, the well, potential? yes, <laughs> number of developers. Not maybe not as much as on iOS, but yeah, I bet you the number of Mac developers hasn't changed all that much. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just what I'm saying, Mark. I don't think so. Yeah, like there's, uh, I'm sure there's more, but there there definitely aren't as many as as have come to iOS, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm talking about though is the number of Mac users. Like there, mm-hmm. there are now not 25 million, but I'd say at least 100 million. Right. Uh, Mac users out there. MacBooks with their glowing apples in coffee mm-hmm. shops and classrooms and workplaces and all over TV the world. And shows and movies and whatever, yeah. As always. Around here where I live, I mean, it's pretty rare to see someone with a Windows machine at a, at a coffee shop. Yeah. 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 Wow. It, it's surprising to see someone, actually. It's, yeah, I mean, you see, here. You see Macs everywhere, but... And that, but that's that's the new normal. I mean, like five years ago, it was not the case at all. Right, no. right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh. And that's the, that's the trend. I mean, you look at the numbers, like say MacWorld or Six Colors, uh, Jason Snell. Sure. They publish these these graphs showing the sales numbers over the past five years. Um, I think it's four years actually, because it's uh, yeah, by quarter, and so it would have showed like twelve quarters worth of data. And uh, like when you're hovering around five million per quarter, um, you're, you're looking at a lot. Yeah, it must have been five years. You're looking at a lot of Macs. I just counted it up, and it's like, you know, people own a Mac for uh, three, four, five years, right? Yeah, yeah. And so if you if you just – all you have to do is add those numbers up, and I came right. up with 100 million. <laughs> mm. It's crazy. Yeah, it's especially interesting because – well, this is opinion. I don't I don't have numbers in front of me, but, but it seems like people replace Windows machines more often than they replace Macs. 
That's because they're so cheap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if you if you look at the market share, is just based on a uh, number of purchases, right? So, right. Yeah. It would be interesting if we had a way of quantifying the actual number of users rather than actual number of, of machines. Well, that's what I, what I was sort of going with. Yeah. But but the other corollary, and I kind of hinted at it a minute ago, was, but there's so much not happening on the Mac app store side or, or the Mac developer side. There seems to be. I mean, I'm I'm getting the sense from the market out there that there isn't a lot of Mac developers out there. Like the teams aren't that big. Well, you- how many people use desktop software anymore? Is is one question? I guess the as question opposed is. to web based software, yeah, or mobile based software. Hmm. Mm. I wonder. Really? Well, I think I think a lot of people still do. You know, I think these numbers are the Mac the Mac sales. Uh, suggests that a lot of people are still buying Macs. Oh, I'm not saying um, they're not. I'm just not- I'm talking about you, you can use your Mac for a number of different things. You can use it for uh, you know, productivity tools, email, uh, and things like that. But you can also use web-based software like you know Google yeah. Apps and things sure. like that, where you yeah. don't have to go out and buy a software package on an app store. You just have a web-based tool that gives gives you access to the to the same functionality. So so. It may be that the number of Mac developers is is not really correlated to the number of Mac users because mm-hmm. there may be people developing for the Mac indirectly through right. these you know web based channels or whatever. Hmm. Possibly. Um, I just pasted in a link to Jason Snell's summary of the results, and um, if you look at that page and kind of scroll down to quarterly Mac sales, it's one of the charts here. Mm-hmm. Then uh, you, you can see where I'm getting my numbers from. So. Um, yeah, I think it's, I just thought it was interesting because, um, you know, there, there have historically not been many Mac users and, uh, I think the sort of, you know, quali- qualitatively looking around and seeing, uh, Macs everywhere, um, the, I think these numbers actually, uh, summed together, uh, tell the story of just how many there are out there. Uh, which is which is very interesting. Uh, there's a lot, obviously, um, and you know, like if you listen to developers, you know, especially when we uh, moan and complain about the state of the iOS App Store, um, and you know, the Mac App Store for that matter, mm-hmm. uh, it still seems that your surest way of making a living is by producing a compelling uh, desktop productivity app that is sold outside of the Mac App Store. Even more than iOS, you think? Yeah. Right. Because you can't make any money on the iOS app store because nobody pays for software there. That's true. Whereas selling it independently on your website, uh, as they used to do, <laughs> there's yeah. a very strong argument uh, for continuing to do that. Take Jan- Dan Jalkut, for it's example. It's a pretty big leap, though, to to make the, the assumption that if you do that, you can make money off it. Some people do, of course, but mm-hmm. also some people make money off the app stores. Uh, I'm not sure that there's enough data to say inclusively that there's the, there's a higher percentage of people developing software in that model making making more money than there are in, in other models. There could be a lot of people doing that and not making any money at all. We just don't have numbers on that. Fair enough. Um, I guess my, my argument is, or the thing that I'm hearing more, more accurately, is simply that uh, people that are selling their apps outside of the Mac App Store are charging you know, realistic amounts of money for it. Mm-hmm. 
uh, there's no rule saying that you can't do the same thing inside the Mac App Store, but it seems like there's this culture of uh, of lower, lowering prices when you're there in that market. Uh, whereas being outside of it, for whatever reason, um, psychology perhaps uh, oh. drives drives developers to charge realistic uh, amounts for their for their software. It's interesting though because the the in my from my worldview, my, the view I see the Mac world Mac App Store from, it's so sparse. There's very you know this, on the Mac App Store there's so sort of little software out there. Um, and as a matter of fact, I just bought three pieces of software this week for my Mac, um, partly for work, but that actually no four I guess if I include the time thing that I talked about last week. But um, and three out of four of those were sold by the person's website directly, either through Kaji or 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 some sort of PayPal mechanism that the, people, the developer set up, right? But, yeah, of course. Yeah, they, uh, many Mac developers offer um, by both mechanisms. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, as a consumer, I prefer the, the Mac App Store just from the convenience point of view, right? But, uh, Absolutely. But, again, <laughs> but, then again, but then again, that's there's the whole update and how do you charge for upgrades and all that kind of stuff. Uh, ha- yep. hassle that we have all, all over the place. Right? So, this, so this is interesting. Let, let me ask a follow-up question to that then. Sure. Of those pieces of software that you bought, yeah. How many of them were not related to you being a developer? Were not developer tools? I'm just curious. Um, you, well, are, you know, if you were working for some company somewhere that had nothing to do with, with Mac or iOS development, which of those, how many of those, what percentage of those would you have bought? I've got my purchases list open in my <laughs> okay. app Yeah, I'm app. just curious there. Um, I've got, uh, looking at a Dash, which we talked about. Yeah. Um, amphetamine, which I use to keep my Mac awake. While recording this podcast, uh-huh. uh, Color Snapper—that's a developer tool. Net Newswire—that's uh, not. Twitterific. Mm-hmm. Paw—that's for work. Uh, copy uh, a clipboard manager called Copy and Paste. I think anyone would use that. Mm-hmm. SQL Pro for reading SQLite databases. Work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one. A couple of SQL clients. Sketch Three. Uh, Slack. Thread one, little known piece of software. Uh, day one, journaling app. Mm-hmm. Airmail from email. Harvest from work. Textastic, text editor. Uh, napkin, uh, image annotation. Uh, that's just a toy. Didn't really use it for much of anything. <laughs> Mint, Coda, BB Edit. I don't know, this thing you probably haven't heard of, Xcode, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, it does seem, you know, frankly, though, Mark, I mean, I use my, my Mac for work mm-hmm. far more than for leisure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and I would, I would posit the theory that most people use their Mac for work versus leisure. Um, you know, because whenever I, like, I go to the second cup, right, like the coffee shop, and um, I see people all over their computers, and they are all doing work on it. They're not... Well, I shouldn't say they're not, never, but uh, they are far more likely to be doing work in some kind of document or or browser or something yeah. uh, than they are to be browsing Facebook, for example, or right. writing to their, their friends. Um, I see a lot of people do that on iPads. So iOS is the, to my mind, iOS is the platform of leisure, whereas Mac is the platform of work. That's just a, just a theory pop psychology theory for you hope you like it yeah (laughs) well so so really what i'm getting at here and i I don't have any 
real kind of conclusions yet that or agenda here. I'm just kind of wondering is is how much non built in Apple software does your average user work on on the Mac? You know, if you take away things like Keynote, you know, uh, and and Microsoft tools and things like that, yeah. how much desktop software does the average user buy? I don't know. Mm. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it's that high. I, I agree with you, Mark. I think you're right. I don't think yeah. people buy a ton of software. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, I think that if if you're a developer, then the fact that there's say a hundred million users now makes it much more likely that you can find a niche of users that would find your software useful Fair and, enough, sure. you know, and make your, your app uh, one of those very few that they do down, purchase and download. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What's next? Oh, speaking of, uh, since we talked about, you know, the, the app store being flooded and, and the big boys coming in and moving in and taking part of the indie lifestyle away from us. Um, what do you guys think of Nintendo's announcement that they're going to come out with for smartphone apps? And then just the launching the day before the Apple TV. Do we know what these apps are? I haven't even looked at this, so um, um, I, I see Mario. I'm well, at Mario were, on a yeah, bike. they were talking. They were talking about. Um, they've been resisting bringing the Mario type t- titles to the iPhone, from what I understand. I was sort of addressing our gaming boy over there in Seattle, but uh, yeah. So I'm looking at this, and I'm trying to remember because it's it's been a while. Um, so these, according to this article from Nine to Five Mac, would be titles that are developed by Nintendo itself, not right. um, yeah. a uh, contracting group, because they do have uh, Pokemon Shuffle out in the App Store, but I believe Pokemon is actually its own subsidiary, if I don't, if I don't recall correctly. Um, mm-hmm. And they also, within the past six months, I think, had announced um, an agreement with DNA, D-E-N-A, um, as a company to build some software using Nintendo's IP and um, maybe a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, they announced mm-hmm. Pokemon Go um, for smartphones. And I can't remember if that was going to be done by Nintendo itself or more likely the Pokemon subsidiary. So it, it's very unclear to me as to what these, these games are. It's it's a huge you know, watershed moment to have yeah. um, somebody with, with that sort of clout in the gaming industry to finally you know give in and, and see the the reality facing them. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting way you phrase that because it, you know, it may be, it may be that they just are finally seeing the writing on the wall that they need to do this in order to be, to stay relevant. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rather unfortunate for them in that, um, their, their Wii U console, um, has not been selling very well and it arguably has the best games out in the industry right now. Um, mm-hmm. certainly much better from the uh, exclusive standpoint with Nintendo's up, op- IP than Sony and Microsoft combined have. Um, but it's also uh, maybe a little bit of a testament to their, you know, the, the changing industry and Nintendo's conservative nature to not address those changes proactively and very stubbornly held to their guns as to what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That, um, quite frankly, if Nintendo didn't have that successful IP, it would not be in business right now. Um, right. I mean, or at best, they'd be lucky to be Sega, who just <laughs> kind of a uh, whores out excuse the phrase there it's it's ip to everybody right Particularly sure yeah, Sonic. yeah. Yep. but hey it's i think it's interesting um it makes a lot of sense it, it if they plan it to work out with their upcoming nx console the uh predis- sorry successor 
to the Nintendo Wii U. Um, that's certainly something I've been advocating for a long time for these companies to make use of the whole ecosystem power, just like the way that you know Apple can use its ecosystem to make things better. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they could. I think they could squish companies like Disney like a fly, really, based on the number of people that use their products, right, in the gaming industry. And didn't you say that the, the cost of entry to gaming consoles was quite high still, or? Yeah, I don't know what it is now, but um, not that long ago, you know, let's say yeah. like the Nintendo Wii, the the predecessor generation, it was like ten thousand dollars for a developer. Wow! Right, so we, we got a lot of folks. Uh, it, granted, it's a different part of the industry where people are accustomed to paying, you know, forty nine dollars, fifty dollars, you know, sixty dollars yeah. for yeah. a new title. Um, but uh, it's super cheap on the App Store. It's kind of hard to to moan about, uh, you know the difficulties of uh, developing for it when it's like, well, you didn't really have to invest much to begin with, right? Certainly not the same level if you decided, hey, I want to have a new game on the Nintendo console. Well, the post that led me to this article was sort of had sort of said that, you know, perhaps the wish was that Nintendo would raise the bar on what people are charging for for apps, right? Because of their, their you know, coming from a market where people are prepared to drop down 70 bucks on a game, right? Quite possibly, but but not to the the same level. I mean, I'm, like, I'm not saying they're going to spend seventy bucks on an iPhone app, but but oh, no, I wish they would. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, if they no, did? that would that would make it make everything fine. But you know. I think what I would see happening, assuming that Nintendo does bring out some of the like the more traditional Mario type games, and not just a game that happens to have Mario in it, right? So like the, mm-hmm. the poster image here on this article is from Mario Kart Eight. Yeah. Um, which is not a mainline Mario game, but it is something that stars Mario characters. Yeah. Um, I'll look to Square Enix, who has been actually rather successful with two different types, the completely opposite ends of the spectrum types of pricing models for their games. So they, they do have um, freemium games that are pretty traditional, right? They, they cost you nothing until you want to get you know more gems or more power or what have you, buy more mm-hmm. characters, that sort of thing. Pretty typical uh, freemium games, just with a Final Fantasy branding on it, um, being their their property. Their traditional titles that they have ported over from the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, and so forth over to the App Store are incredibly expensive by App Store standards. Right? They they come out at uh, twenty nine ninety nine, and then they eventually go on sale about six months later for uh, fourteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So you go look up the Final Fantasy games, like Final Fantasy V, let's say, or Final Fantasy VI, and you'll be like, holy crap, is this really $16? Like, how are they charging this? Well, apparently they can afford it. Right, right. right. They spent the, the nominal amount to, to port things over and in some cases upgrade the graphics. And and these, are game, these are games that are on, are on iOS now already, like the Final Fantasy and stuff? Or? Yes. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So it can be done, and, and so it's interesting to see what Nintendo can do here. I don't know that it'll necessarily apply, right? Because as um, you know, as popular as something even like Crossy Road that we talked about, yeah. um, uh, or like an Angry Birds, like Mario alone stomps all over those guys. Yes, yeah, right. Not including yeah. the Legend of Zelda series and uh, Metroid and Star Fox and all the other Donkey Kong, all the other properties mm-hmm. combined. So, so it is kind of like Disney joining the fray. Mm-hmm. Interesting times. Yeah, because I mean, you would you would like to think that something if if Clossy Road was, I mean, and 
hindsight being 2020, you know, it'd be good to see something like Classy Crossy Road come out and charge, you know, not be, it's free, isn't it? Crossy Road? Yes. Yeah, it's free, yeah. but there are in-app purchases. But I mean, it, it, it would from a from a you know making the app store seem legit. You know, it would be better if it was like a three or three or four dollar game. You know, but who could have predicted its success? Right, that's the thing about it. Right, um, it's arguable that it wouldn't have been as successful at three or four dollars. Yeah. Well, I mean, but then you look at something like Monument Valley, which is three or four dollars and and was equally successful, right? Or mm-hmm. seems to equally. Have been. <laughs> I don't well, know about that. Yeah, I mean, it's. I made a comment to somebody today. I forgot what it was, but uh, they were talking about. Oh, questioning whether or not they should. Uh, um, who's the guy? Who did P. Calc? James, James Thompson. James Thompson. Yeah, he put something up, wondering about like what he should charge for his Apple TV app, and and of P. Calc. Yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine sort of said, you know, well, you should charge like because people have been telling him ninety nine cents is too low, right? And mm-hmm. uh, my friend sort of said you should charge dollar ninety nine, and I thought I said yeah, definitely make the price higher because if you're looking to get millions of users, make it free and but learn how to pour coffee or pump gas because that's how you're going to make a living. Ooh, sick burn, you know. But but that's the reality. So the problem is is everybody keeps pushing the if your if your software is of value and people are going to buy it, why make it ninety nine cents even on the Apple TV, right? Like that's the problem with with the App Store as it is now. It's there's so there's no. The price is not determinant of quality, right? Well, you you know I agree with you, Tim. Yeah, of um, course you do. You, of course. Uh, but come on. This is a calculator on a TV, man. <laughs> like, that's, that's a novelty app. That is not an well, actual then make useful it, make application. It, make, it a, make it, like I said before, make it a bundled, you know, I, I have the calculator on my watch. You know, I have the yeah. PCALC app on my watch. I have maybe added a number once on it. Yeah. Right. You know? Exactly. But yeah, so may, bundle it in with the with the continuing iPhone app then and just make well, it a make he it He could a have add-on. done that, but he opted not to. Yeah. He opted to make it a standalone app. Could he? And, yeah, which um, I didn't actually know you could do. <laughs> well, no, uh, you have, yeah, you can I think you can set up a target and just have it be there it is. Apple TV. But we don't know how it's being sold. That's the question, right? Apparently independently and mm. uh, apparently also on an app store that will appear on the Apple TV come launch day. I Magically. Guess. Yeah. Magically. Um, so that's that's how it's going to play out and uh, good for him. Uh, you know, if I were James Thompson, I would have just bundled it with the um, iOS app mm-hmm. and, you know, included it in there because it just doesn't make – I can't fathom how it makes sense. <laughs> so like, yeah, my, I wonder so from, a, from a business point of view – does it make sense to put resources into making a calculator for TV? Right. Well, if you're James Thompson, it does, right? Like, that's his shtick, right? Like, yeah. he's, is, he's just every platform, PCALC is there. And sure. he's been doing it for 30 years. Sure. <laughs> he's, he's a madman. I mean, he, this is a guy making a living off of a calculator app that's 30 years old. I guess you could argue that it, it's good press, and maybe it will drive some people to buying the, you know, the, the iPhone version or whatever. Right. right. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of boggles my mind, but uh, he's you know he's one of our special developers. But it's funny that it's funny though that that one of the problems I've always had with the iPad, and I, I don't even know if I have this sold yet, right? Because there's there's no iOS Apple provided calculator on the iPad, right? Correct. Right. So auto mission. Yeah. So I mean, it's that's always been. I think I have some third party piece of crap calculator on here. I'm not even going to name it in public, but. Um, yeah, I mean that that would be like if if James Thompson wants to make peak calc for the iPad, I'm I'll buy it. Like, Dude, he's he's had it for ages. <laughs> you could, you could I have bought have it on it. day one. I okay, well, then you're I, good. I, I must have it already. Actually, multitasking on the on the iPad makes a calculator much more 
a much more useful and viable product. Sure. Ah, really good point, Mark. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I want to be able to add 2 and 3 together while I'm watching Big Bang Theory on my TV. Well, you can do that now in iOS 9. Welcome <laughs> to the future. On my TV? The answer is 5. <laughs> Sorry. Here to help you. I forgot what the question was, actually. You wanted to add 2 plus 3 while watching Big oh, Bang Theory. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, I suppose, yeah. you know, if you, if you think about it, I suppose it's not unreasonable that someone could come up with, like, a, a spreadsheet app for the TV. You know, if you want to do your... <laughs> You do your finances or whatever while you're, and then drag and drop it into your into your Word document. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's talk data manipulation, Mark. How, how does that even make sense? I don't know. I don't know either. It's a tough one because as long as you have AirPlay on the device, it'd be much better off using an iPhone or an iPad or yeah. even a Mac as the input to, and just have the TV itself just be a mirror. Just be a display. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, actually, I did want to have a, a quick question for for Aaron and what your experience was um, with getting Magpie through the the review because this is like one of the first reviews that we you know ever had for an Apple TV app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I want to compare and contrast it with what Daniel Jowkett has been talking about with his yeah experience because he was okay. a very grumpy person. Yes, he was. And you're very eh? happy. I am happy. Uh, you know, sometimes. Um, do you want to back up and tell them, Jaime, what uh, happened with Dan Jockett? So I've, I only saw bits and pieces of the Twitter storm that he had, but I I think he submitted an Apple TV app, excuse me, submitted an Apple TV app for uh, a version of his, I want to say it's called Hush or Shush. It's Shush. A, shush, thank you. It's a white noise generator kind of thing. <laughs> like you just, uh, on iPhone, you looks like a little tv you know it's got like the white noise static kind of thing and you can fiddle with a couple of sliders to change uh, the amount of static and noise i think and that's essentially what he wanted to do for his apple tv app and apple rejected him saying this doesn't seem like it's um like it does enough to qualify <sighs> really yeah yeah they accepted magpie Oh, no, shut no, no. up! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was a perfect setup. <laughs> and the, the funny thing is that uh, Dan Jalkut went kind of on a, a tweet rampage uh, when that happened. You know, he kind of, he played it cool at first, um, but then went on about uh, Apple being the arbiter of what uh, constitutes a useful app right. on on any of their platforms. In this case, of course, the Apple TV. Uh, suffice to say... Uh, the more he thought about it, the more upset he got. And uh, um, is there a way I made of linking to a tweet storm? Because <laughs> that would be terrific. You um, know, I'm not sure, but it, it, it was rather. I couldn't point. decide what my opinion was on it because I could see both sides. Right? I could see like, yeah, that that kind of sucks that you would have somebody just arbitrarily say, "Hey, you can't be on our platform. Um, mm-hmm. This is not worth the time and effort for our users." But then on the other side, I was like, well, like, look at it from Apple's side. Do they want, uh, and I, I'm using this as a, just because it, it's an analogy that everybody will get. I'm using it as any sort of um, criticism of his app in particular. But, like, I think Apple doesn't want a million fart apps on day one of the Apple TV's app store, right? They, I think they'd much rather have a hundred really good quality apps rather than a million you know, varying degrees of quality, some great mm, and some yeah. terrible. 
You know, if that is the case. I think they're harsher now, right now, for at least the first release. Yeah. Um, If that's the case, then uh, it is is just for this platform and has nothing to do with iOS because God knows what gets through on that platform. Uh, It's kind of nuts. The uh, the garbage that they let through, mm-hmm. never you know, never mind the stuff that uh, is just of low quality and of questionable utility, uh, but the stuff that literally rips off other apps um, and <laughs> and tries to scam people into downloading and paying for them instead of the the actual successful app, um, you know, like the Apple has has been has fallen short in a lot of cases mm-hmm. uh, in in screening the app store from garbage. Uh, so in that sense, I'm firmly behind Dan Jalkett in, sen- in the sense that, um, you know, who is Apple to determine, you know, what people get on their TV? Maybe, you know, the idea of having, like, a, a TV that looks like it's displaying static and sounding that way uh, is something that people would want, you know, that would even pay money for. Um, but, you know, like, I don't know that Apple should be the one to decide that. Um, on the latest episode of their podcast, um, Core Intuition, uh, they talked about this thing, and um, Matt and Reese, his co-host, was saying that it's he thinks anyway, and I, I agree that um, that this app will almost certainly make it if he tries again. Of course, uh, that will make it through app review if he tries again a little later after the uh, initial rush is off. Um, it seems likely. I mean, the I think the the focus or the intensity <laughs> for quality will die down a bit after the uh, platform is out there to play for a while. Everyone agrees. Awesome. I actually do agree because uh, looking at the the App Store's um, history, it's actually a lot less restrictive now than it was in the early days. Yeah. Um, so your your second question, Hyman, was about how it was developing Magpie for it, and uh, it was really straightforward. Um, I attached the iOS binary to, or sorry, the, the TVOS binary to my iOS app, uh, which seemed to be how iTunes Connect does it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, uploaded the build, uh, uh, submitted it, and I think it was three or four days uh, before it was approved. And uh, then it went through, and it is apparently going to be available on day one. Did, uh, you, did you do any test flight with it at all? Or? No, I didn't use test flight. I was just building it myself. I, my, my beta developers didn't, never really cared about the app, so mm. uh, I don't really have any beta. You could have asked it. me. You know, I just happen to be sitting here with an Apple TV doing nothing with it, right? So. Uh, yeah, oh, that's kind. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, instead, Tim, you'll you'll get it when it comes out uh, tomorrow, I guess, or is it the day after Friday? Uh, no, it's uh, well. Well, I know it goes on November fourth. Is it goes on sale Friday? But I think deliveries are November fourth. That said, a friend of mine just tweeted it. He got um, a delivery notice that his. Uh, Apple TV has left the building. Yeah. I have a feeling, given that the embargo has been switched off this evening, just as we started recording tonight, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have the feeling that the um, uh, the App Store is going to go live tomorrow. You think? That's I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it right now. Are you okay? Well, yeah. you heard it here first. You heard it here? F- no, you didn't. Uh, well, I guess you did. But it'll be way too late. It'll, it'll have long since been live by the time this podcast goes out. That's true. Um, suffice to say, I, I, think, uh, I think it's going to go live tomorrow because it, it feels like we've hit some kind of turning point. And we know people are going to get, receive their shipments on Friday, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, those that uh, got the expedited delivery uh, will receive their units on Friday. By that time, the App Store has to be live, right? Oh, really? Okay, yeah. yeah. True story. So... Um, 
Yeah, I read somewhere that, yeah. that Best Buy is taking orders for pickup store pickup on November fourth, which is what beginning of next week. Next week, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, the fourth is next Wednesday. Hmm. So, um, yeah. Other than that, pretty straightforward. I mean, the um, it's it's basically it's iOS, right? Uh, last week I, I wanted to mention a couple things uh, because I was in the midst of of working on it then. Sure. Um, and um, some of the things that are that are odd about the TVOS um, is is to do specifically with things that you have to do to support TVOS. And um, uh, two things that I'll mention, and one of them is uh, the focus engine, mm-hmm. uh, which is the method that users have of navigating around the interface uh, because you're using a touchpad remote. Um, you are basically moving a, a virtual cursor along the interactive elements in your application. Right. And yeah. so um, I was really surprised that Apple didn't do more to um, to give you uh, the effect that, uh, that you see in default and other sort of standard UI kit elements. Like if you put a UI button on a view, for example, mm-hmm. um, that'll automatically be focusable and will have an appearance. So if you are if you uh, move your cursor on top of a UI button, it'll uh, get larger, right? And get like sort of a, a shiny effect on it, mm-hmm. big drop shadow. Um, but if you have like a UI collection view, and your UI collection view cells are custom cells, then nothing is going to happen when you focus onto them. Um, you have to adopt a couple of methods. Yeah, the little sort of twisty effect that they use, the 3D effect. Yeah, that that the twisty 3D effect uh, is is not like a thing that's available to you. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So um, if you want it, if you've got your own custom view and you want it to uh, receive focus, um, you have to implement a method uh, in the case of UI collection view um, in the UI collection view delegate in order to uh, listen for when you receive focus, mm-hmm. and then to build your own custom animation. Right. Right. Uh, to show the item being focused. And and going unfocused, alternatively. Right. So there's there's no as far like and if I'm wrong, please for God's sake somebody tell me. Although I spent quite a bit of time <laughs> working on this, so it's too late. Um, yeah. Uh, you know it's it was kind of crazy because I was like, okay, well it looks like you know Apple's standard sort of you know zooming in effect uh, is quite elaborate and uh you know it has not just does it like kind of zoom into view but you can actually kind of like hover around it and like tilt it and look at it with weird shiny lights and stuff on it right yeah like there's there's no like one method call that you can make to have that happen for your custom view did you download that ui kit catalog i was talking about uh yeah i had a look at that yeah because that's what i mean but when i you know the, the the where they have the collection views which are like little tile images and as your as your as you mouse over it if you want to call it that um they kind of jiggle you can wiggle your thumb back and forth on the on the touchpad and and they kind of tilt in and out of 3d space okay ever I didn't so see slightly that. um i bet you that was like a built-in thing with your with a standard ui collection view cell maybe maybe because they they do support those it's when you have a custom cell that gets uh you're yeah. on your own. Oh yeah, at that yeah, point. you're on your own. Yeah, I see. Um, though I probably should look at that UI catalog again. Oh, that'd be fun. Um, mm. You know, fun to be wrong and having spent all this time. Uh, <laughs> um, it ends up I, I was able to do like a, a core animation layer transform uh, to do like a zoom, um, and then have it zoom back out again. Um, there were 
it was a little weird though. It was just it, it, was, it was surprising to me that this was not something that I could readily access. I had to kind of figure it out myself. Mm. Um, the other thing that was funny about it was uh, your application icon. Um, as you know, uh, for anyone who's familiar with the Apple TV three, uh, is it three four? Oh shoot, fourth four. Fourth okay, generation. whatever. The new one. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw, um, I saw a chart side the other day. I think yeah. it's four. When you uh, you can't just have a, a, a flat icon. You can't just make a PNG and stick it in the bundle and call it a day. Um, yeah. They are layered graphics, and yeah. uh, they encourage you to have uh, multiple layers. Um, and so when uh, your icon appears on the screen and the user hovers over it with their their cursor, uh, the trackpad, uh, it it tilts and you know zooms and the light plays over effect, it. Right? Yeah, yeah, and it's got a parallax effect. And so yeah. they want you to create they're forcing you to create this parallax effect. You've got no choice. Mm-hmm. Um and Apple's they're holding provided, a gun to your head. They really kind of are, yes. <laughs> um they are uh providing with tools uh to create these these files and they're they're like a, a proprietary, you know, although documented format. Mm-hmm. Um that includes uh a Photoshop plugin. So if you've created your icon in Photoshop then uh, you can use this um, this plugin for Photoshop uh, to export your layers in your Photoshop document uh, to this format, um, and it's really straightforward and easy to use. Um, but it was it was just interesting, you know, and it's uh, it's kind of fun too, though, to uh, to go through the trouble of creating like say a background and putting my Magpie on top of it, and then exporting that, and then seeing it in Xcode, um, where you can actually like mouse around on it in mm-hmm. Xcode. And have it do the same effect. So like the rave, the magpie kind of leaps off the screen at me. Well, it doesn't leap, but he, you know, he's parallaxing on this background, <laughs> um, and it's it's neat. Um, and then seeing it on your Apple TV too, of course, it's just it's a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have to create a top shelf image, and this is where if the user decides to bookmark your app by putting it in the top row, ah. then it gets like this giant, you know, like full width and say 300 pixel height um, banner image. And uh, you can make this a static image, um, as all the sample apps currently on the store do, or you can yeah. make it dynamic. So uh, that that does not have to be one of those parallaxy type images. That can just be a static. Yeah, uh, this PNG reminds file. me very much of what they did with Newsstand. You know, they had to have a they had to have a separate image for the Newsstand itself, right? Yeah, I never had to look into that, so I'll yeah. take your word for it. No, they, you had to have you had to have a newsstand icon, and it had to have either if it was a newspaper with a fold down the like folded at like a, in half or oh, or magazine yeah. style, and that was that was to be displayed in the newsstand. And you also had to provide an app icon with it as well, right? Yeah, uh, just so. And uh, you know, uh, I had some troubles with it, like when I was doing my submission, um, my my icon wasn't configured correctly and I had to go back and they, they spot that during submission. Right. So, um, made it very useful. So, uh, I was able to fix it and then, and then do a resubmission. Um, but otherwise very straightforward. Um, Was the resubmission process a long wait or was it? No, not at all. Like, you know, you know, when you're in Xcode and you, um, Oh, 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 before you got it, before you uploaded, it said you're missing this resource, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, It a little validation step. Cool. That is what I am talking about. Right. And the review itself went uh, went through fine, or did yeah, you have to nope. make changes? No, seven nothing. days, seven to ten days, or nothing, nothing. Like like I said, three days, I think, maybe wow. four. Hmm. Um, and it was done. And um, as usual, I was just I never got an email about it at all. To be honest, um, <laughs> my OS ten version uh, got approved today, 
mm-hmm. I got an email about that, mm-hmm. but I got no email about the iOS and tvOS versions being approved. Mm. I just happened to look at iTunes Connect. Um, so, so this was actually not, as far as iTunes Connect is concerned, it was not a new app. It was a an update to an existing app, right? Well, yeah, it's a little weird, Mark. It's um, you know, like it is. I didn't have to ship an update to my iOS app, uh, but it's a thing that you add to the iOS app as a target. See, it's it. I, I just don't know what analogy to give you because I've never seen this before. Um, you go into your iOS app in iTunes Connect, and you can you there's this thing in the sidebar where you can add a new build, and you can choose it to be a TV OS or an iOS build. Mm. And you can only have one of each, obviously. <laughs> so go have a look at iTunes Connect. Yeah, I've seen that feature. I just have had nothing to upload to the TV part. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just wondering if it, it, if it took three days. From what I've been seeing lately is that, is that uh, new apps still take the traditional seven to ten days to get approved, but pretty much any update takes a lot less time, you know, a couple, three days these days. Oh, no, hmm. that hasn't been my finding. Oh, it hasn't? Oh, okay. No, no, no. I think this is just because of the TVOS thing. Oh, maybe, yeah. That it got so fast. Yeah, and I mean, we're not you, Mark. We don't have your, you know, you're on the other app store. <laughs> Hashtag other app store. <laughs> hey, a random TVOS question for you guys. Uh, is the Photos app available on TVOS? Yes, it is. And do you have, in your app, do you have full support for the uh, the Photos library, PH Assets and all that? It looks that way. Um, I, I spent a little bit of time going through it, and um, it, it appeared to be my complete uh, Photos library collection. Mm-hmm. So even the stuff on iCloud uh, Photos, that, all that stuff? Yeah, especially the ones there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Okay, so have we got anything else? Oh, so Mark, you were mentioning that you had some trouble with iTunes Connect. I did hear some people having issues. Can you... I've been having some, some issues lately uh, with test flight and the submission process and all that. Um, stuff that you know, just never was an issue before. I mean, it used to be uploading a build to, to iTunes Connect. The actual mechanism of uploading the build and having it recognize the build was just never a problem. There may be other problems, right? But that mm-hmm. part of it was never a problem. But now... Lately, it seems to be a problem. So it, it, it seems like it gets stuck in the uh, the transition from you just upload this build to it's now available to do stuff with, to do test flight or, or, or apps or whatever. And there's this, there's this processing state. It used to be that the processing state would last, you know, maybe 10 minutes to you know, maybe at the very worst a half an hour. Uh, but now... Sometimes it's that fast, and sometimes it's it's like twelve hours. It's crazy, uh, and there's been actually a lot of people talking about this online. I've seen this, so it's, it's not just me. It's it's been happening to other people, uh, and, and just very recently, there's another another weird thing that started happening is it used to be that once you got past the processing state, then you could pretty much right away go into the test flight tab and and assign that build to you know for testing or, or whatever. Now I get this. It's happened a few times. It's very strange behavior of, first of all, the app doesn't show, the new build doesn't show up in the in, as being available to internal testers like it used to immediately. And when I say used to, I'm talking about ever since they just did this recent change uh, yeah. when when uh, iOS 9 came up and, and Xcode 7.1, or Xcode 7 came up. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, so now it just doesn't appear in the internal testers. In fact, nothing is available. Nothing is available for testing, which is strange. And mm-hmm. if you go to the external testers tab, it just I just get a spinner, just endless spinner, and and can see nothing. And uh, it eventually fixes itself. I can't really tell how long it takes because I've always gotten impatient, gone away, never got an email about. Uh, about it being approved, but as soon as I go back into iTunes Connect and go to the test flight tab, I instantly get this get the, the email saying, hey, there's now a new build available, and it's available everywhere. It's very strange. Mm. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen the latter one, Mark. Uh, yeah. I'm not using test flight as much, but the first issue you talked about uh, with you know, infinite processing, yep. uh, I have seen that happen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, of course, I've heard other people complain about it. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I've uh, heard people talk to me about um, is to uh, upload another build. <laughs> like, the first one didn't take, so do another upload, and that one will take. Well, that uh, has maybe a 50% success rate. <laughs> yeah. I know about yeah. that one, and I've definitely tried it. Yeah, I don't uh-huh. know. It may just be... Cause I do daily builds now for this product I'm working on, so I'm just doing so many that maybe I'm seeing these... You know these these effect these things that happen a certain percentage of the time more often than anybody else just because of the amount, the number of builds I'm, I'm putting up there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's some it's some weird stuff. It's very it's very inconsistent too. I, I've tried to correlate it with time of day or or with uh, you know some other things, and I just you know no can't find any kind of uh, correlations. Strange. Well, now that you mentioned that daily uh, build process. Uh... Yep. You know, I've, I have heard things about uh, about test flight in particular um, being sort of intolerant of many builds. Uh, like, and I'm talking multiple builds a day, not like necessarily one a day. You are limited uh, to two test flight builds a day. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so yeah. I wonder if it's related at all. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just doing but, one yeah. a day. And, so, uh, Apple and web services uh, together again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's funny, I went to a website the other day and it had web objects. Oh. This one definitely just started happening when they switched over to the new iTunes Connect. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's just some bugs there <laughs> that have to work out. Nobody here would be surprised, Mark. No, not at all. I'm also seeing Xcode 7.1 at least being pretty crashy. I don't know about everybody else. Yeah, not crashy. Uh, I've, I've seen some weird things, but not, not crashing. I posted a funny one on Twitter today. It was uh, uh, I was uh, programming in Swift, and I had like a a, a var uh, sort of a, a property for a class, and I, I was like var, you know, uh, thing name, and then the type uh, CG float, and uh, I made it an optional CG float optional, and uh, it, I got a build warning, an, an error actually, and it said uh, CG float. I don't know what that is. Maybe you meant CG float. Yeah, I've seen that. Guy. Yeah, I've seen that one. <laughs> Like what? What? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it, it it offers to fix it for you automatically. <laughs> yeah, I, I try that, and that doesn't, you know, still has the problem. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I did, I remember I saw that one a couple of weeks ago. Hmm, I forgot what the answer was for that. Actually, in my case, what ha- happened is that um, um, that class was importing foundation. Yeah. And uh, apparently, you need to import UIKit uh, if you want right. to get the core graphics. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's that so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so the the debugger knew about CG float, but it didn't have access to it. I think that's what it was. 
all about. Well, I've seen a couple of things like that where you just uh, retype CG float, and it's like, okay, I like that version better, even though it's yeah. exactly the same as the previous. <laughs> yeah, I will admit that the, the Xcode seven, lately, the latest versions of Xcode has some weird stuff where you'll see errors, and still you'll be able to compile successfully. Yeah, strange. Yeah, yeah. So my crash today was was pretty bizarre. Uh, it was uh, I was having some provisioning profile problems, um, which I'm sure yeah, no, no one's a stranger to. Uh, so I did the, you know, you go to the preferences and, and just, and have it re-download all the, the provisioning profiles. But when it opened up that preferences window that has all of your accounts and, and mm-hmm. uh, certificates and what, not certificates, but yeah, all that stuff, uh, the window sort of halfway opened, but was completely transparent and had no content and couldn't be dismissed. Mm. Perfect. Yeah, and never never seen that one. And it just kind of hung. Exo kind of hung. I got not responding. Uh, let it go for a while, and then it eventually died. Just crashed. Wow. So yeah, I don't know what that one was all about. But other than that, it's great. Other than that, it's great. Yeah, I like writing really colorful um, errors when they ask me to report the crash. So. Who approved this app? Jesus. Um, of course, it, it, it almost goes without saying that uh, anyone who is sufficiently sick of this and wants to do something about it, there are many, many, many job openings at Apple. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, I don't know. Somebody uh, on Twitter linked to a job posting on a, on you know jobs at apple dot com, and uh, I just you know for a lark went look. Um, there are. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds yeah. of jobs for quote engineers. Well, good luck. Are. Good luck trying to get through the HR screening, though. Yeah, well, I would never make it. <laughs> yeah. no, they have, they have, they, they have these. You know, it's like sorting rocks. I think they have these. Your resume goes through, then it just falls through. It just it'll no. Never... You got to know someone. You know, if you want a yeah. job at Apple, like if you, you're crazy. But if you want a job at Apple, yeah. um, you know, you need to know someone who can sort of guide you in, mm. uh, lead you right to the hiring manager. And, get the process going that, that way. doesn't always work i actually spoke to one of the people i'd be reporting to and didn't get the interview so well you also got to be the right fit for the job yeah yeah whatever and i'm not i'm not ageism saying. i'm climbing ageism oh you want to talk about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, pulling out that card already huh? yeah i mean shit i'm i'm getting anxious about that <laughs> well you guys got uh 10 years to go before you get to my level of ageism all right, so let's go around the table like we usually do. Exuthiastically, let's go around the table like hey. we usually do. <laughs> and see if anybody has any picks, then we'll stop it there. Ooh, and I got picks. I got picks. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, what's your pick? Okay, geez, I'll tell you my pick already. Gosh, don't be so excited. You're freaking me out. So some time ago, there was a Kickstarter for a, um, a project called the Hub Plus, and this is made specifically oh, right. for the, uh, the new MacBook, the mm-hmm. 12-inch MacBook Retina. And uh, because it only has a USB-C port, uh, there was uh, quite a considerable amount of interest in this project, which is a piece of hardware that connects to your USB-C port in your MacBook and gives you, like, a whack of ports. Um, a a pass-through USB-C so you can charge it. Oh, it does MacBook. actually have one. Okay, okay. Yeah, this Hub Plus does. Um, uh, as well as uh, a panoply of uh, Ethernet. Did it, is it Ethernet, right? Does it, does it have Ethernet? No. Anyway, it's got a whole bunch of ports on it, including a battery. Like, you could use it standalone and plug your iPhone into it and charge it. Um, mm. It's pretty cool. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they 
mismanaged their project, I think, and it doesn't look like they're going to be delivering this anytime soon. Um, they they got like eight thousand backers, and they got like eight hundred thousand um, dollars, but they have not yet been able to deliver. And so it's looking like this thing isn't really going to come to market. Um, but in other news, uh, Mac Rumors uh, today posted a link to another hub made specifically for the MacBook, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Type-C hub adapter. And it looks really sharp, and it is actually shipping. You can buy it for $40 US, and it plugs into your USB-C port and gives you three USB ports, a... What is this? Uh, you know those uh, card different readers. cards. Yeah, card, card readers. Reader. Yeah, yep. two two types of card readers. Um, but no what it does not, USB. Yeah, it does not give you a pass through. That's. I was just about like I almost jumped all over this and hit buy, um, and then I just saw that little note. Oh, by the way, this doesn't include a USB Type C. Like what? <laughs> uh, so you can't charge your MacBook while having this thing plugged in. Um, so I went to the website actually. Like the it's called the Satechi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. So bad. Um, Sateki, maybe. Uh, and they have a little, they've got a video showing how it works. And it's it's actually much smaller than it looks in the photographs. Uh, so if you see it in the context of a MacBook, you can see just how small this thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a support tab. And one of the questions is, uh, does the hub have a pass-through USB-C port for charging the computer? And the reason it doesn't um, is because of expense at this point. Uh, I guess it would add a fair amount of cost. You know? uh, that's Mac, right? Yeah. Awesome. Hey, Mac. Mac is upset about this, too. Um, so the reason they didn't do it is because of cost, because uh, I guess it would add a lot to include that USB-C capability, pass-through, et cetera, electronic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I wondered if, if like, you could... Because, you know, there are USB th- things that you can plug into the wall, right? And... Um, you know, if you could plug a USB, a powered USB cord into the hub, would mm-hmm. it pass power through? I doubt it. I doubt it. Probably not. Probably not. Um, so you could use this thing, but you wouldn't be able to uh, to charge your MacBook while you're doing it. And that, to me, that's kind of a deal killer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, still quite interesting and a, and a nice looking piece of hardware that um, is actually available. And that's it's kind of a big deal as far as I'm concerned. Now, um, I'll, I'll put a general call out here to our listeners. If anyone knows of a USB-C hub like this mm-hmm. um, that includes a pass-through, a way to charge your MacBook while using it, uh, I would love to know about that. Um, the the Hub Plus, that, that Kickstarter project I mentioned that failed, uh, is pretty much exactly what I'm looking for, um, yeah. except for the problem that it doesn't exist. Well, this this is a product that you know. If I had a about the twelve inch MacBook, I would probably look at buying something like this because I do use the card readers for my three D printing and for videos and stuff like that for my ah. HD cameras, right? So sure, 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 yeah, yeah. And like my wife's eleven um, inch um, MacBook Air MacBook doesn't have a SD reader, so we have a little USB adapter that reads cards, and you put the micro card right in there as well. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, those things are cheap and readily available. So yeah, not a bad option. Sure. Yeah. Before we, uh, I was looking at newer earlier today, and they had a bunch of port devices. I'll look that up while we go to Jaime. Oh wait, wait, wait! No, no, sorry, sorry, Jaime. Uh, I'm actually taking a second pick tonight. Oh, uh, Aaron, <laughs> do you have another pick? Yes, it happens. I do, Tim. Thanks for asking. Um, so one of the one of the great features of the new Apple TV um, are the screensavers. 
Right, yes, right. And uh, Apple talked about this in their their product launch. And uh, having seen them in person, I can personally attest to how amazing they are. Mm -hmm. These are high-resolution sort of aerial videos of a number of different world locations, uh, particularly of San Francisco. Shocker, uh, it's Apple. Uh, But also of New York City and the Great Wall of China and London along the Thames. And at different times of day, too. So there's like daytime, nighttime, and sunset uh, type shots. So you see these uh, these locations in different lights, and they're beautiful. They're mesmerizing. Whenever they come on, I just sort of stop what I'm doing, and I'm just kind of <laughs> agog watching these videos. Well, guess what? Some guy, John Coates, um, posted on GitHub uh, a screensaver that takes these videos um, and makes it available for Mac users. Oh, so, okay. That's what that was. Okay. Yeah. So if you've got like a big, beautiful... Um, you know, Mac desktop or, or laptop, uh, and you'd like to run these screensavers on it, then this GitHub project will let you do that. Um, you can go to the GitHub page, and it's got a really nice uh, animated uh, preview of the screensaver. But uh, you just download the link, like read the instructions to install, click here to download, and then you get the actual screensaver uh, that you can open up right in your uh, system preferences. And it works just like any other screensaver does. Cool. Uh, super sharp. Big fan. Go get it. Cool. That's it. I'm done. My that's two picks. So real time follow up. I know you're a big fan of these, right? I love real time follow up. So there's a uh, there's a product called Thunderport that OWC sells. Link me up. And I just well that's for Thunderbolt ports. And what it does is it takes your you put plug into your Thunderbolt port and it gives you a couple of Thunderbolt ports and USB and HDMI and and Ethernet and all kinds of stuff. So you don't have to have a bag bag full of dongles, right? But I just went to their site and typed in USB-C and sure enough, starting shipping in January, unfortunately, is a USB-C dock that has three USB ports, a USB-C port, uh, looks like a microphone jack, uh, Ethernet port, a computer I get lined to the computer and HDMI and DC in, so it can be powered as well. Oh, it's got its own power supply. Yeah, interesting. Yes. Can you link that up? Link me up, Tim. I will. And, and they had a whole, they have a whole bunch of um, of um, uh, cables as well, so you can get like you know USB to A and all that kind of stuff that you were talking about last week. You couldn't get right. Yeah. Although Apple now sells those. Yes. Uh, well, uh, when you put that link in Twitter last week, Tim, yeah. uh, that was to the U.S. Apple Store. Yeah. Oh, did you know, uh, it's, it's from, shocker. It's from, Bel- it's from Belkin, right? It's from Belkin, but uh, it's not in the Canadian Apple Store. Oh, man. True story. Ah, well, I, there I think, it is. I think um, um, See Best Buy, I think they care, they care Belkin. I buy Belkin stuff all the time. Sure. A trusted name in Mac accessories. Well, yes. Okay, so that's not, you know... This is a much larger thing sure, than it's uh, huge. the Hub Plus. It's almost, yeah. the size oh, of, it's almost the size of the MacBook. Christ, yeah, that's huge. That is <laughs> that is too big. You need a okay. Sherpa. I'm telling you, you need Oof. a Sherpa. 160 bucks too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this does way more. Um, this is must be basically their Thunderbolt dock, um, but yeah, for USB. Yeah, rethought. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For pre-orders. This is intended for desktop use, you know? Like, this yeah. is the thing you leave on your desktop, and then you bring it. So that's, that's good, you know? Um, and, yeah. and actually, for that, like, you know, for a, a dock system, mm-hmm. you know, if you look on the market for docks, uh, 160 is the right price, you know? It's typical. It's a good price. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is not what I'm after. I'm, I'm looking for something that I can put in my bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sad. 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 Yeah. 
Oh, so, okay. so what, what's the biggest size drive you can get in the in the twelve inch? I believe five hundred gigs. I think oh, okay, I maxed yeah, that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, five twelve. Just... You know what they say? SSDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. So, Jaime, do you have a pick? I do, and um, I think I had played this one a, a while before. Uh, it's called Her Story. It's an mm-hmm. um, app for, or it's a game for the iPhone and the iPad. Um, I had it on my list somewhere to talk about before and somehow <laughs> forgot about it. Oh, yeah. Um, reason it came back to my mind is um, they won an award at IndieCade. Mm. So I said, oh, it's good enough time as any to, to talk about it. And it's um, it's a very curious game because it's its premise is that your um, your interface is an old computer, like a Windows 95 kind of computer. Carmen Sandiego, here we go. uh maybe a little like that the the idea is that you are logging into a police computer database that has a whole bunch of videos from an interview that they had with a suspect Mm -hmm. a a woman who's suspected of uh, foul play um and the only interface that you have is pretty much the search queries so you could type in you know murder for example Mm -hmm. you search and you'll only get up to five videos that matched those uh, particular terms or that one term, right? And then you watch the video, you listen to what she says, and and the story unfolds from these different points in time that come up based on your your query. So it's from a gameplay perspective, it's it's relatively light, um, but from a story perspective, it's actually very entertaining. It's really hard to talk about the story without um, revealing too much of the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, there's actually quite a few folks who disagree about what actually happens in the game because uh, it, it it gives enough clues and enough contradictions that could let you, you know, believe what you want to believe, right? Um. Um, but I highly recommend it for folks. It's it's pretty nifty as an iOS app, at least because it, and it is available for other platforms. Like I think uh, it's available on Steam um, because it's. It's the kind of thing where, you know, I could see we're hiring this actress who is the only one who, who appears in the game, right? It's, it's the only uh, person. Hiring this actress and building this game that, you know, the gameplay-wise is not very complicated to build. I, I think you could build the general architecture for it, like, over a weekend sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And yet, here's this game that is charging uh, $4.99, $4.99 on the U.S. App Store. And has won an award, and it's actually a very compelling game, right? Like they they took the expense away from the development side and made it more on the story and production side. Mm. So kind of an interesting take. I, I highly recommend it. Cool. That's really interesting. Is it sort of like a you, you write your own story sort of thing? Like, can you run down and is it like the, those old books where you would turn to page twenty seven, yes or no kind of thing? It's not a create your own story thing. There is some sort of you know defined story and as i mentioned uh, the the ultimate clues that you end up with and you piece everything together um there there actually is an end game um Mm. and depending on the kinds of clues that you pick up yourself uh you could finish you could finish the game in two minutes honestly like if you if you immediately got what happened (laughs) you could reach the end point or it could take you several hours to get there right depending on on what you were paying attention to and what sort of terminology you used when you were searching. Interesting. 
So there's there's no concept of replayability though. It's always the same basic story, right? Yeah, the the one thing that they do um it's probably not a spoiler to to talk about this is that when you um when you finish the game, you get to see this sort of like completion mode so you can see all the different clips that you saw. And there's a ton of clips. So if you're the completionist type of gamer, you can say, "Oh, I I didn't see this whole section of videos. I wonder how I get to see those." And let's see, the app is 1.7 gigs. Oh yeah, it's all video. <laughs> so that, that kind of makes sense as to how many videos there are. Yeah, the app description says hundreds of videos. And they're all shipped with the app, they're not streamed, right? Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, I'll check that one out. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, in the spirit of, you know, real-time updates, I decided to, to dig into my... Twitter feed today and RayRunnerlick.com again just published uh, 2D iOS and TVOS games book today. Um, it's now, I, I think it's available to purchase today. There's a link in the show notes to Ray's po- uh, blog about it. But um, yeah, just in spirit of what Aaron was talking about, if people are curious about TVOS, um, I happen to have a copy of it here. So I scanned through it while we were recording here and it talks about the different size images that you were talking about and and it's more towards building a game. On, it actually shows you how to port it, a, an iOS game that you build in in the first bunch of chapters over to tvOS. Um, it's an update of the of the um, 2D iOS games by tutorial book that was out a couple of years ago, I think, or it might have been last update might have been um, six months ago. But it's definitely needed needed an update for Swift 2.0. Um, and there it is. So if you're interested in TVOS and you're interested in running games, there's a, there's a chance for you to take on Nintendo and have at you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, well, I guess that's it for the week, and we'll say goodbye. But before we do, Aaron, if people want to get hold of you on the interwebs, where would they look? Go to Twitter, at Aaron Vey, or check out magpievideo.com to get my app. And uh, Jaime, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? I am at Dev with a Hair on Twitter. And Mark, by email, how people get a hold of you? Mark R at snapsoft.com. Okay, once again, my name is Timitra. I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter and uh, my website, it-guy.com. And that's about it. We'll see you guys next week. All right, good night. Bye. Bye. And see. And see. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes for each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website. And if you can, please write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. Hey, welcome everybody. <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> I know. I've been recording another video for another company, and, and they have me starting off with a, 
a totally unnatural thing for me to say at the beginning. Idly ho, neighborinos. Yeah, something like that. So what do I say normally here? Hey, everybody. Hey, everyone. To, okay. And you say it in as droll a way as possible. Hey, hey, everybody. <laughs> really? Does that sound that? It's funny that Greg says the same thing, but I say, I say it with what I think is enthusiasm. Really? Uh, yeah. Show yet. I just actually just finished another podcast. Oh, yeah? What are you doing? Uh, I, was ho- I was guest hosting on Roundabout. What is that? It's uh, Tammy Coron's podcast. It's a... Uh, more creativity, talk to developers, that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. I'm not familiar with it. But yeah. I mean, it sounds familiar. It sounds like I, I should know it. But Yeah, I uh, remember the one time when nobody could show up and I yeah. spoke to Tammy. That's Tammy, right? Uh-huh. Um, but I was on her show, or sorry, I haven't been on her show yet, but I, I've got guest hosted twice now, I think. So... Yeah, this is my second time. Yeah, so they were they the guy the other host was sick today, so too late to cancel. Didn't want to reschedule. Yeah, was I busy at seven o'clock? That kind of stuff, you know. Wow, so you just didn't. Yeah. How long were you up there for? Uh, well, seven to we just finished about quarter or twenty after eight, I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you like them apples? Hmm. Okay. Another another bunch of white guys, eh? Uh, well, a white lady. <laughs> well, I'm looking at their their website, and it's just three white guys. Uh, roundabout, I guess I, no, Roundabout FM is the uh, oh okay. roundaboutfm.com. They're not the only Roundabout podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. there's a Roundabout. Yeah, I don't know. Do a search. Roundabout FM dot FM or yeah, Roundabout roundaboutfm.com. Okay. Guess that's the way they decided to go. Yeah, there's a another Roundabout. <laughs> Okay, I'm with yours. <laughs> huh. So Tammy, Charlie, and Elaine. Well, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.